Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. And uh, here we go. I am taping this right now. It is Sunday night, December 4th. Is it about? It's about 10 o'clock at night. And uh, I am still just, I'm a little bit stunned at what unfolded in Omaha earlier today. Nebraska comes into the CHI Health Center and upsets Creighton 63-53. to I was on the call on FS1. I was in the building. I was courtside. And there's certainly lots to unpack with this one. So let, let's, let's get the unpacking started. Uh, but we got to start... We got to start with this. We got to start with just how, at least on paper, how shocking this result really was. Few things to think about and chew about. Nebraska hasn't beaten Creighton in Omaha since 2004. That was an NIT game. And if we just focus on the regular season, regular season games, not postseason, regular season games. Nebraska hasn't beaten Creighton in Omaha in the regular season since 1995. Really let that sink in. Creighton has obviously dominated this series, and it's really dominated this series in Omaha. And the reality is, when you think about these games, Creighton and Nebraska, there have been tons of games where the game was over about 10, 12 minutes into the game, where Creighton just blitzed Nebraska right at the start, and the game was done by the 12-minute media time out of the first half. 2005, 2007, 2013, 2015, 2019, those games were over, for all intents and purposes, by the under-12 media timeout. So just hanging in there, let alone winning, has been challenging in Omaha for Nebraska. And of course, overall, Creighton has won 10 uh, of the last 11 matchups in this series. And then when you think about this game in particular, Creighton ranks seventh in the country, one of the most hyped Creighton teams ever. Then you look at Nebraska, roster full of transfers, not a lot of continuity. Creighton was favored by 15 in this game. So I kind of wanted to lay all that out, give you a little snapshot feel of just, you know, what the vibe was of this game heading into it. I don't think anybody felt like this game was was going to unfold the way it did. To be honest with you, I bet most people, if we're keeping it real with each other, I think most people thought this game had a better shot of being over 10 to 12 minutes into the game than Nebraska winning the game. If we're just being real, if I'd have asked you when the sun came up Sunday morning, December 4th, before the game happened, I said, well, what do you think? What's more likely? Creighton is up 20. 18, 20 points, 10 minutes into the game, or Nebraska wins the game. You'd probably, a lot of you'd probably been like, yeah, you know, based on this team, top 10, the trends, the the way these games have unfolded in Omaha, I'd say it's more likely 10 minutes of this game, this thing's, this thing's a blowout. 
Because you would have assumed Creighton would be would be shot out of a cannon, the crowd would be rolling, and Nebraska would would you know would have a hard time hanging in there. Instead, it was quite the opposite. Ball was tipped, and Nebraska delivered the first punch, and right away established the complexion of the game. Turn the game into a grinder fist fight. Drug Creighton into a street alley and said, here we go. And because of that, took the crowd out of the game right away. And I got to, I, I tried to say this a couple times on the broadcast on TV. Anybody that was in the building will vibe with me. So I'm trying to paint the picture for the people that weren't there. Because I don't know sometimes how it comes across on TV. I can't express just how silent the crowd was throughout that, those 40 minutes. 18,000 fans just never got into the game. There, was, there wasn't even a moment where the environment got rocking. And listen, a lot of that is Creighton missing shots, but a lot of that, the lion's share of that, the majority of that is a testament to Nebraska. You know, I mean, th- so this weekend I called Butler... Uh, a Butler game in Indianapolis on Saturday afternoon. So I was traveling uh, back all Saturday night. Drove to Chicago, was had a bunch of time at the airport, then flew home on, on Saturday night. I had a lot of time at the airport and uh, on the airplane to really dive into Nebraska film. Really, really, really dissect it. And, you know, when you watch this team on film, this, this probably isn't Fred Hoiberg's most talented team since he's been at Nebraska. But this is definitely his toughest team. And that toughness shined through. You got to tip your cap to Hoiberg in that regard. Fred Hoiberg realized what the issues were with his teams the first three years. And he went out and he tried to address those issues. Nebraska was a team that was small. They were undersized. They were a finesse team. They were a little soft. They weren't physical. They had to outscore you. They had no collective fight. And Hoiberg went out. He got positional size, got bigger. And then Fred Hoiberg went out and got a handful of tough, hard-nosed, scrappy dudes. I mean, Sam Griesel, Jawan Gary, Emmanuel Bandamel, those guys are tough, scrappy players. So while I, I thought Creighton would win the game, I did think this Nebraska team had a decent shot to at least make it interesting because I figured they'd fight. And they did. They definitely did. Couple of numbers to chew on as we unpack this thing. Fast break points. Creighton, two. Points in the paint. Nebraska, 46. Creighton, 16. Rebounding column. Nebraska, plus five. Creighton shot 30% from the field. And Creighton scored 53 points. I mean, damn. Fred Hoiberg, he had a great defensive plan, and Nebraska executed it. What's amazing, what's really amazing is Creighton has played Texas Tech, elite defensive team. Arkansas, elite athletic defensive team. Texas, elite tough defensive team. All three of those teams are Ken Palm top 20 defenses. Texas Tech, Arkansas, Texas. And none of them 
defended Creighton better than Nebraska did. None of them made Creighton work harder for shots than Nebraska did. Now, let me be clear. I am certainly not saying Nebraska has a better defense than those three teams. I'm simply saying for 40 minutes, Nebraska defended Creighton better than any team this season, including those three elite defenses, which is amazing. So how'd they do it? The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. Well, first of all, it started with transition defense. Fred Hoiberg made a great decision, in my opinion. You always have a predicament against Creighton, especially at home, where they are faster, they really get out and run, with how good they are in transition. You have a predicament. Are you going to crash the offensive glass in a way to slow down Creighton's pace so they can't get out and leak? they got to stay in and fight and rebound because that's one way to slow a team down. You're going to crash the offensive glass or are you going to send everybody back in transition defense? Send nobody to the glass. Fred Hoiberg elected to do the latter. Nebraska didn't send anyone to the offensive glass Instead, they were sending all five guys back and building a wall in transition. Creighton, even off missed shots, couldn't get anything going in transition because of the urgency and consistency of how hard Nebraska got back, got communicated, got sorted out in transition. Again, Creighton, two fast break points, and they couldn't get any early offense going. No early post-ups, no early threes. Nemhard probing in there, Shireman looking up the floor. Couldn't get any of that, which is a big part of Creighton's offense, especially at home. That was outstanding from Nebraska. The other part of Nebraska's defensive plan was to sell out to protecting the paint. They doubled the post. Nebraska really floods to the ball on penetration, so when someone drives it, they really sink in and attack the ball. They really pack it in, and then they rotate out of it. They they wanted Creighton to take threes. Well, Creighton took 40 of them and only made 10. Now, were some of them open? Sure. And we'll get into that. But where I was really impressed was how hard Nebraska worked to scramble and fly around in the half court. 
Nebraska's effort and energy to scramble out of double teams and traps and help to fly out to shooters and either make them make an extra pass or break the rhythm enough to get them to miss or flat out be there on the catch so they can't shoot was fucking amazing. How bad do you want it? Like, I, that. go watch that film. How bad do you really want to win? Watch Nebraska fly around. Watch them help in the post, sprint out, be there on the catch in the corner. Trust that the next guy's going to rotate, get that extra pass. Incredible effort scrambling around in the half court. That's really hard to go from trapping someone in the block, helping on penetration, then sprinting out to the opposite corner, be there on the catch, and Nebraska did it all game long. And, you know, I was always trying to be nice and respectful last year with Nebraska's team, either when I called their games or I talked about them on the podcast with with their team last year. But more so than anything else, last year's Nebraska's Nebraska's team was a joke with its effort and fight on defense. They, it was hard to watch. Last year's Nebraska team, they didn't even sniff playing hard enough, physical enough, didn't fly around, didn't fight, didn't compete, didn't talk at all. And so to contrast last year's team and their effort to the effort that Nebraska played with today in Omaha against Creighton on the road is simply remarkable. Nebraska was the tougher team today. They played harder than Creighton today. And I was just so impressed with how Nebraska flew around and talked and fought on defense. They tried to sure, – Kalkbrenner got a couple of lobs at the rim, but for the most part, they sunk in. They took away the roll. Anytime the ball got posted up, they're flying to it. Any penetration, multiple Huskers were sinking in on the ball. And sometimes it's hard to do that and still get out to the three-point line. So the plan was to really try to protect the paint. But also, that's not a license to just allow wide-open threes either, right? I think for Nebraska, if you're going to live with one, Nebraska was going to live with Creighton taking threes over shots at the rim. But the beauty of what Nebraska did is they really did a pretty good job of taking away and doing both. They made life in the paint tough. Again, Creighton only scored 16 points in the paint. And then they forced and contested at the three-point line, too. That's the thing. uh, Sure, there were some open threes, but of the 43-point attempts, I'd say a lot of them were, you know, Nebraska was flying around and had a hand up. Plus, they forced Creighton into 16 turnovers as well, so they were disruptive in that regard. So the defensive plan, the execution of the plan, and the effort and fight was just, it was amazing. Took away transition, took away easy shots in the paint, contested and forced threes, turned Creighton over a bit, a bit. Just a wow effort defensively. And then offensively for Nebraska, I mean, let's be honest, for 40 minutes, the two best players on the floor were Sam Greasel and Derek Walker. Those are the two best players on the court. Today. 
Sam Greasel controlled the game. He was especially good in the second half. I mean, here's here's Greasel's stat line. 18 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, 38 minutes. 18 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, 38 minutes. He had 13 points in the second half. So when he needed to put his foot on the gas offensively, he did. And he fought his ass off defensively. He was a stud today. You could tell it was a little extra. wasn't just lip service where he said he had this game circled. He was really looking forward to this game. He, he, he talked that talk and walked the walk today. And then Derek Walker, I mean, nobody has really done that to Brian Kalkbrenner. Where, listen, I, Derek Walker kind of just kicked his ass, if we're being honest. And this has come from a guy, I have a ton of respect for Kalkbrenner. He is everything he's cracked up to be defensively. There's a reason he's the reigning Big East Defensive Player of the Year. There's a reason I I started kind of campaigning for Kalkbrenner to be the Big East Defensive Player of the Year in late February last year when it there wasn't a lot of talk about him. I was going broadcast and I would want to build graphics like this is the this is the guy. So I'm a, I'm a I have a ton of respect for Kalkbrenner. So for for Derek Walker to do that to him is really impressive. Walker finished with 22 points in 22 minutes. 22 points, 11 of 16 from the floor. And Walker's a unique dude to guard because and and you got to tip your cap to Fred Hoiberg like in, in this regard where he's at his best is when Fred Hoiberg gets him the ball in the middle of the floor and he's in the middle of the floor and Walker can kind of get ahead of steam and attack the basket off the bounce. He, he's really good in that, that area. He's really improved, and he's t- tough to defend in that spot. And Kalkbrenner had a hard time with him. What's amazing is Derek Walker doesn't really play above the rim, but he's skilled, and what he does really well is he use, he uses his body and his shoulders really well to just displace you enough to create space to score. How many times did he dribble it into Kalkbrenner just a little just just a little nudge with the shoulder, give him enough space to put it up, laid it. He put his shoulder into Kalkbrenner a few times, and it created the opportunity to score. Plus, he finished on a few pick and rolls pretty well with Greasel as well. But, you know, Derek Walker, who missed the first five games of the season, has now played in the last four, and Nebraska th- is 3-1 and one in those games, and it, it, a lot of it is him. Yeah, he makes a huge difference. First of all, I, I think he's taking a big step forward. He looks better to me. But second of all, he provides a skill set that Nebraska so desperately needs. When you look at Nebraska's roster, they're really void of, of pure ball handling. Like, their only ball handlers on the roster are Sam Greasel, and then their backup point guard's Bandamel. Bandamel's more of a wing than he is a point guard. And let's be honest, Greasel's kind of a converted point guard. So, Nebraska really needs Walker's offensive creation badly. They need his ability to handle the ball, pass, create his own shot, create a, you know, hit a guy in a cut. They really need that. And he delivered today against Creighton. He really, really delivered today against Creighton. So that's kind of the, the Nebraska side of it. Again, two best players on the floor, Walker and Greasel. Nebraska's effort and fight on defense was incredible. Their plan was great. And what a huge win for Fred Hoiberg, man. 
you know, listen, I, I still don't know what to make of this Nebraska team. They're, they're still very flawed. They're going to have nights where I think they're going to struggle to score. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. But Fred Hoiberg said something interesting to me before the game. He, he said, listen, with this team and these guys, I know what I'm getting each night and each day. And I, I think what he's really getting at is he, he knows this team's going to fight and scrap and play hard every game. And while that seems fairly elementary and something that should be a given, for the first three years, in particular last year, it wasn't a given. And a win like that, rivalry win, on the road, front of a big crowd, over a top 10 team, can really provide something that Fred Hoiberg's teams just haven't had since he got to Lincoln, and that is real, tangible confidence and momentum. Think about it. Every single year under Hoiberg, the team has just seemingly been fighting an uphill battle right away. You lose a bye game early. You get smashed early by somebody. Like, no momentum, no confidence, nothing. Well, Nebraska's now won three games in a row. They beat two ACC teams in Florida State and Boston College. Well, no, those two two teams are not very good, but they're still power conference teams. Nebraska beat both of them. Then they beat a top-10 team in Creighton on the road. Who's your rival? That's something to build on. So, what a great win and performance by Nebraska. And I can't tell you, again, I cannot tell you how impressed I was with the effort and fight on defense and how impressed I was with Sam Greasel and Derek Walker. So impressed. Okay, to the Creighton side of things. First of all, I mean, I don't think people need to freak out and panic. I'm certainly not. But man, it is it is amazing to contrast where this team was walking off the floor after beating Arkansas in what was a whale of a semifinal game in Maui. It's interesting to take that snapshot where they were there to where they're at now. Creighton's lost three games in a row, lost to Arizona, lost at Texas, and now lost to Nebraska at home. The Arizona game, listen, First of all, Arizona's really good, really talented. But I I chalked that one up to, hey, Creighton looked like they were emotionally and physically gassed from the Texas Tech and Arkansas game. Just didn't really have it. Really talented team. The Texas game, I kind of thought, all right, you know, listen, shot it terrible, four for 27 from three, started one for 22 from three. Texas is a top three team in the country. Some think they're the the number one team in the country. And you know what? In spite of not shooting well, they still had a shot late to win the game. 
Okay. But the problem, when you couple all those things with this Nebraska loss and how it looked and how it felt, I think there are some things that are concerning, that are concerning and mainly the three-point shooting. I, I said this in... I, let me. I, I pulled it back up. This is, I wrote this down in the preseason preview pod for for Creighton, where I just kind of went through, you know, like I had eight or nine like concerns or keys to the season, and one of the one of the biggest keys or concerns was three point shooting. I, I wrote this. I said three point shooting is a real concern for this team. It was a problem last year, and it's a problem again at least early this year. Creighton has developed a reputation of kind of being three point shooter. You. I think that's what people think of when they think of Creighton basketball. Over the last 20 or so years, this program has churned out great three-point shooters and good three-point shooting teams. It's been the identity of the program, especially under Greg McDermott. But that wasn't the case last year. Creighton shot 30% from three. That ranked 305th in the country. And Creighton lost lost its top two three-point shooters from last year in Ryan Hawkins and Alex O'Connell. So a kind of poor three-point shooting team lost its two best three-point shooters. So three-point shooting is a question for this team. I think they have decent three-point shooters on this roster, but you kind of are what your percentages say you are for the most part. And a lot of these guys just, they, they didn't shoot it great. Well, fast forward, here we are nine games in. And I think that three-point question is still a big one. It's just hard. You know, like, I don't know, man. Are these guys good three-point shooters? Are they good shooters? You know, I know Greg McDermott is staying confident in them, and and the reality is he kind of has no choice but to continue to keep them confident. But, man, you know, at Texas, four for 27 from three, started one for 22. Today against Nebraska, 10 for 40. The season opener against St. Thomas, Creighton goes eight for 34 from three. You know, you just, I don't know, like Maui, Maui's has notoriously soft rims. So they shot it good there. But I don't know, man, you, outside of Maui, when you outside of Maui and then really against real teams, real competition. I'm talking the against real real power conference people. Pre meh three point shooting. Baylor Shireman's been solid, not great. Trey Alexander is actually shooting it okay at forty percent. But Nemhard and, and Kaluma, they've struggled. Thirty percent for Nemhard, twenty four cent four percent for Kaluma. And Farabello was supposed to be a dead-eye shooter, career 40% <clears throat> coming into Omaha. And he's really struggled. He was Farabello was 5 for 25 from 3 heading into this Nebraska game. Now, he shot it good today. He was 5 of 9 today. But he's still only up to 29% on the season. So this one's tough to diagnose, man. The, the percentage over a pretty good sample size with a lot of these players would indicate they're they're – not they're not a great three-point shooting team. But what's hard is the three balls are part of, of Creighton's offense, and they are at least capable. So, you know, Coach McDermott, he can't take away guys' confidence because once you do that, it is good luck. 
So I, I think the, the thing may be more to balance the sheer amount and balancing that at, out at times. Like 40 threes is a ton of threes to take it again. Creighton today, when you look at looking at the box score right now, Creighton took 65 shots for the game. 40 of them were threes. 40 of their 65 shots were threes. That's a lot. That's Let me rephrase that. That's way too many. Even at Texas, like four four for 27, you start one for 22. That's a lot. Against St. Thomas, 34 three-point attempts. That's a lot. So it's a tricky balance. It's like, yeah, you're open. But maybe you need to probe in there a little bit. Like there, that's I've been there as a player. Like, yeah, I'm open here. I don't want to lose confidence, and I'm not turning down the shot because I don't think I can. It's not that I don't think I can make it, but like, let me get a piece of the paint here. Let me swing it. Let's attack more. It's a tough balance. Or you know, if you're Kaluma, it's like Art, my man. Like, it's not that you can't shoot, but you know where you're really fucking good attacking the basket off the dribble. Now, I'm not telling you not to shoot. You remember, I'm not saying don't shoot. But if I'm guarding you, if you, if, if I'm guarding you, every time you shoot a shot, a perimeter jump shot, I'm saying, thank you. I'd much rather have you do that than driving the ball to the basket. Again, in rhythm, you got it. You're in a flow. Okay, here it is. Extra pass. You're there. Okay. Just balancing that. But it's hard to, to balance that and stay confident. So it's hard. Like the reality is when you look at the last five games against real competition, real power conference teams, not UC Riverside and Holy Cross. <coughs> so talking about Texas Tech, Arkansas, Arizona, Texas, and Nebraska. Creighton is shooting 31% from three. That's not very good. Shire, Shireman and Farabello, they got to get to where they're 40%, guys. Got to be 40%ers. And then the trio of Nemhard and, and Trey Alexander and Kaluma, they just got to be more efficient with the volume and quality of threes that they take. Like, can they stay confident, but keep that top of mind? It can be challenging, because when you start getting into your own head and doubting yourself, and, ah, should I take this or not? But sometimes you got you to be able to diagnose that stuff in real time. Because right now, the other thing I was thinking about, listen, sometimes it's a basketball, it's a copycat sport sometimes. When you show you are susceptible on film with some sort of defensive game plan, you're likely going to see that again. Like right now, if you're studying Creighton on film, you're like, okay, packing the paint, forcing threes, that's that's yielded some success, whether you're St. Thomas or whoever. Teams are likely going to continue to maybe try to deploy that defensive plan. So Creighton's got an interesting predicament on their hands with the three ball. Very interesting. Big part of their offense, big part of what they do, their system. Trying to figure out how good of shooters these are, these guys are, what threes to take, what maybe not to. It's a, it's a tricky one to balance. One in which I don't necessarily have a great answer for right now. Other than what I'm kind of talking through right now. Two, a couple other Creighton thoughts. You know, the bench, man. Ooh. 
the bench has been disappointing this year for Creighton. I, I Greg McDermott told me before the season, I agreed with it. I, I said it before. I thought this was Creighton's deepest team. I thought it was the deepest team they've had. I really thought they'd be able to go seven, eight, nine deep and get really good production. And the reality is, outside of Francisco Farabello today for stretches this season, Creighton, I mean, they're at the point where they can't survive with their starters off the floor, which is shocking to me. Outside of Farabello and stretches today, when they were in Maui or they were at Texas, like they couldn't survive going to the bench. Francisco Farabello has, has really struggled to shoot. Otherwise, I think he's been solid. We got to be fair. He's been cold shooting, but he's been in the right spots and all those things. He's doing everything else well. He's just been cold until today. Sharif Mitchell, who I, you know, I'm a guy, I'm a fan of. He's he's been a little bit of a mess this year. He's not in a good rhythm at all. Frederick King. Yeah, you know, listen, he got his first taste of big boy basketball and he struggled a little bit. I'm still a huge fan of Frederick King, but it's hard. Mason Miller, he shot it well, but you know, he's a li- he's limited as a redshirt freshman. So the bench has got to get better. And let me let me be more like the reality is who am I really talking about? I'm really talking about Sharif Mitchell and Francisco Farabella. That's what I'm really talking about. Mason Miller's gonna be a spot backup. Frederick King's gonna be a spot backup. Maybe Ben Stoltzberg gets thrown in there at times. I'm who I'm really talking about is Sharif Mitchell and Francisco Farabello. Those two guys, those are two four-year players who have played in huge NCAA tournament games. They gotta play better. I think they will, but they gotta do it. The other thing I, I I was I was thinking about, I am curious to see the leadership of this team right now in this moment from a player's perspective. You know, listen, man, leadership is easy in the preseason when everyone's patting you on the back, you're in the top 10, and even when you start 6-0 and and Jay Billis is praising you on ESPN. Leadership's easy when that's going on. Leadership gets a whole lot tougher when you lose three in a row, you're shooting it terrible, you lose to your rival in front of 18,000 of your fans. This is where Ryan Hawkins was that steady influence, that steady leader last year. Who's stepping up and leading now? Who's stepping up and talking in that locker room? Is it Shireman? Is it Nemhard? Is it Kalkbrenner? Is it Alexander? Who's stepping up, talking the talk, walking the walk, bringing everybody else up, getting outside of their own feelings to think about the collective feelings of the the spirit of the team? Who's leading now? These are the moments when it really matters. And I'll end with this. Everyone needs to breathe a bit. Okay, Creighton's going to be fine. I really believe that. I believe in Greg McDermott. I believe in the talent of this team. But they clearly got some things they got to tighten up. They're going to have to weather this storm right now. Get the three-point shooting situation settled. The bench has to get better. But this is a this this team is still a really really talented group. 
So I know losing three in a row can feel like the sky's falling, especially when Nebraska comes into Omaha and wins, which is something that, you know, just hasn't happened. So there's just the the shocking nature of it because it, it hasn't occurred. But Creighton's going to be fine. Creighton is going to be fine. I think this stretch of practice is going to be important before the team heads to Las Vegas. But here's the thing, man. I believe in the talent, and I believe in the coaching. I believe in this roster. I believe in Greg McDermott. But the first bump in the road, the first sign of turbulence, came a little earlier than expected. I don't think anybody saw three losses in a row. I don't think anyone saw Nebraska winning at at Creighton. I don't think anybody saw that. So a little turbulence early for this group. Greg McDermott will figure it out. This team's too talented to not not get it back on track. So there you go. Again, congrats to Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska, man. They played their ass off, man. I was so, I was really impressed, really really impressed with with how they fought and competed. So I got Creighton's games in Vegas uh, on TV this weekend. So I'm I'm excited I'm excited to see how they look after a full week of practice of tightening some, tightening some things up. So there you go. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a five-star rating and a review. Appreciate you making my pod a part of your day. We'll catch you next time on the pod.